Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All righty. It is uh, 11.07 p.m. here. And it's the WGN Radio Theater Time program, 418 in the series. It's September 1st. What happened this summer? Lisa? I don't know. It's we're uh, I think we're heading for some uh, storm residuals, Yeah, says our newsman, Roger. That vivacious voice belongs to Lisa Wolf. We have our producer, Shante Garth, in the booth. And Mike Estella is here. What's up, Mike? Hey, how's How it going, guys? You? Good. And uh, look who else is here. We have Dave Weiske. Vice President of Customer Success at Cat's Pride. He's here. And uh, we also have Classic Radio. We're going to listen to the Hollywood Star Playhouse starring McDonald Carey. And then it's Richard Diamond, Private Detective. But first, let's talk a little bit with Dave about Cat's Pride, everything that's happening with the wonderful main sponsor of this radio show. Sounds good. How are you, Dave? Doing good. How about you guys? Really good. Good. Hello, we're so Cats happy. To, yeah, we're so happy to have you. I know you come every month at the end of the month to give away your supply of Cats Pride kitty litter, but we want to know what's going on in the Cats Pride world. Well, I think if one of the most exciting things that we talk about annual events, we we have shows that we sponsor over the course of a year, but in August we basically sponsored Clear the Shelters in collaboration with NBC, and this is basically working with shelters throughout the U.S. We sponsor Sponsored 15-minute um, commercials, 30-minute commercials, basically working with those shelters to really clear them of the animals. And there's some great stats I'd love to share. So sure. first of all, we had over 1,900 participating shelters. There were 155 Cats Pride and Shelter volunteers, over 135 animals found a forever home. Oh, that's cool. And don't have the ratio of cats, dogs, or guinea pigs, or whatever it was, but it was a, a you know numerous types of animals. But we gained 950 LFG shelters in, during the nomination. We gained 55 uh, LFG shelter registrations, which is huge. And here's some big stats. So we look at year over year, the Litter for Good program, 26,554 shelter nominations. It's 150% year over year growth. We have 1,648 registered shelters. That's 88% year-over-year growth. And 65,345 Cats Pride Club members, which is almost 150,000% growth. Wait, how many? 65,345. Yeah, we're really excited about I'm that. I'm pretty sure that's because we talk about Cats Pride here on WGN. I think so. I think so it's a big part we'll of it. We'll take all of the Absolutely. credit for that. Yeah, yeah we'll take 62,000 well, from us. I have a question for you, Dave. Tell me what the role of Cat's Pride is, specifically in clearing the shelters. Well, again, we had teammates in the supporting 
you know, offering litter, much like our Litter for Good program. We basically supplied those shelters with litter. We gave them accessories, things to hand out to help, you know, really juvenate what had to happen inside the uh, Clear the Shelters. We should see some of the pictures. We'll give you some that you could post oh, sure. of uh, some of the things that we did at the respective shelters and really spent some quality time for the people coming in to really come in and adopt a forever animal. And this is why we love working with you guys. That's here, right. Because we you know that so you guys great. are not only have a great product, but such a generous company. That's right. No, if you we have appreciate a cat, you guys. That's right. If you have a cat out there and you're not using Cat's Pride, we hope why? you will switch Just over. Why? Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, Cat's Pride's a, a much better product than anything out there. It's lighter. It's better. It's better for the environment. It's so many reasons why. But uh, aside from that, this company, based right here in Chicago, this company does so much for um, for animals all across the world, really. I mean, this Litter for Good program, give give our listeners a 30,000 feet of how the Litter for Good program works. So that's been really exciting. And again, Leah Kraft has been doing a phenomenal job leading this effort. And what we do is basically work with various suppliers and, again, our customers when they're really promoting uh, our green jug. So when a customer goes out and buys a green jug, we donate a pound of litter to a shelter of their choice. It's very easy to sign up, www.cotspride.com. You go on out there, read about the program, and sign in. We don't send them a pound of litter because they nominated. It's an accumulation over the course of time. And last year, I think we shared the number in our last show, we were well over 5 million pounds donated in a year, and we hope to you know get over 20 million in the next four years. I mean, years. just think about this, okay? Yeah. So because you're sending, you know, millions of pounds of uh, kitty litter for free to these yep. shelters. They now do not have to use money to buy litter, so they can use that money to find a home for right. these Right. They can redirect uh, the money and the capital elsewhere. We've seen improvements in their facilities, programs that basically go out and promote, you know, uh, the donation and adoption. Terrific of, humanitarian uh, effort. For River Emblems. Yeah. I just want to add quickly that we got one, one of the texts of our listeners that I love so much says, Cat's Pride is the most cost-effective litter on the market, and these two kitty cats, Petey and Bandit, say thanks. So That's great. <laughs> thank you from awesome. the kids. <laughs> yeah, folks, do us a favor. They have been our sponsor from day one here on the WGN Radio Theater, uh, Cat's Pride. So do me a big favor, especially if you like classic radio because they support this show. Switch over to Cat's Pride because you'll not only be getting a better product, you'll be saving money, and uh, then join the Litter for Good program. And so every time you buy uh, a green jug worth of Cat's Pride, you can have uh, a free jug donated to your to your shelter. A your pound, yeah, yeah, a pound, pound will be donated uh, for every jug purchased. And again, wow. they don't have to join uh, the program yeah. either. Again, it's pretty much based on sales, and we just continue to promote and uh, yeah. donate those pounds towards. But the we thank you for that. And here's another generous thing they do: they give away a year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter to a lucky WGN Radio Theater listener. And, and uh, we this get is that time, and we get. <laughs> I mean, literally uh, every month we get hundreds and hundreds of of uh, pictures in of your kitty cat. If you haven't done it lately, you should take a picture of your kitty cat. But you probably have one already, right? They're I would probably, say if you have, if you have a cat, you've got pictures of your, of your cat on your phone. Absolutely, no question. Yeah. I'm sure, especially Just with social media. Today. Email it to us here at cat's pride photo at gmail dot com. Now you'll be entered to win next month because. 
Dave will be here, probably with Dan. Dan will be here next yeah, month. Yeah, and next month, you may be the one we're giving a year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter to. Just make sure you include your name, your cat's name, city and state. Yeah, yes, absolutely. very important. And what I love about the city and state after we pick the winner, you think about all the years we've been here, is the great reach that WGN has out there for Cat's Pride Nation. I mean, California, Oregon, all the way down to Florida, and our thoughts are with the southeast with yeah. uh, Hurricane Dorian. And, and again, when we talk about shelter um, support, the, the hurricanes are, yeah, are really difficult. It. They're going to need yeah. help. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I mean, your company is the, the best, and it also has the best product. So please switch over, folks, if you have a cat. Uh, you'll be doing the show a favor. You'll be doing your cat a favor. Look for the green gel. And, That's uh, right. And all That's those it. other cats out there that uh, Cat's Pride's helping find a home to. Uh, all right. So where can they find Cat's Pride? So, yeah, before we pick our winner, let me just talk about some of the brick-and-mortar facilities and, and I should say uh, places you can buy. Walmart, obviously, is everywhere. You can go to Walmart. Target, we're in there new with Cat's Pride. And oh, we're wow. in a, We're in I some selective stores. Yeah. Some selective Fantastic. stores around the program, and it's flying off the shelf. Um, you talk about Jewel, Woodman's, uh, then if you talk to go online and if you don't want to go to the store and purchase, you can go to amazon.com, chewy.com and walmart.com. They're all carrying, uh, our Cat's Pride product. Right. And make sure you get the green jug. Yep. But there's other color jugs, right? Yep. As long as it has Cat's Pride on Cat's it. Cat's Pride. And, and we just revamped our artwork and you'll love it. If you go to catspride.com, you'll see some of the great artwork. And, uh, again, we talk about everyday low price as we talked about an affordable litter. A lot of that, uh, best, better and best, um, approaches across our portfolio. Portfolio. All so right. Well, very affordable. And so, you know, the most important thing here is you're wearing the green Cat's Pride yeah, shirt. Yeah, the, the logo is old though. I got to <laughs> get a new shirt. That's right. <laughs> and it looks pretty dapper. All right. So let's pick a let's pick a winner. You ready? Sounds good. All right. Let's do. Uh, we got a whole bunch of them in a, in a bag here. Let's have a drum roll, please. All right, Dave. I'll reach deep. Got one. Okay. okay we've got a winner. Alex Stagall, Cat is Penny, here in Chicago. It's All the first right. time I've picked a Chicago one. I'm usually picking the lucky ones out of state. All Congrats right. Congrats to uh, Alex and the Cat Penny. There you go. Now, folks, uh, make sure you send in a picture of your kitty cat, Cat's Pride Photo, at gmail.com with all uh, the other information Mike mentioned because you can be the one we're calling out next month, right around this time. Right. We always do like, we try to do like the last Sunday of the month. I know this fell right on the first day, but last Sunday of the month is, is generally when you come here and, and do that. So, uh, Dave, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, you so much. So glad to have you here. Great to have you. All right, we're going to start things off with uh, an episode of the Hollywood Star Playhouse from 1951. But first, these words. All right, so uh, you know what, Lisa? What, Carl? We have uh, Hollywood Star Playhouse. <laughs> we sure do. The Hollywood that. Star Playhouse. I don't know if we've ever aired one of these. I, I don't think so. Um, yeah. Great title here, yeah. Until Death Do Us Part. Right, and uh, the star of this is McDonald. Donald Carey, who is the, for years, was the lead on, um, on, uh, <laughs> on uh, Days of Our Lives, oh, right, my mom's right. favorite soap opera. Yeah, I he, think she still watches it every day religiously. You know, he looks like a soap opera yeah. Um, star. Yeah, I'll tell you, if I can't, we don't have time right now, but I met him one time. Well, check, tell you check out it. the photo on our Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, great photo. Go to our WGN Radio Theater Facebook page. This was a drama, came to radio in 1950, lasted until 1953, and a different top screen personality each week starred 
in an original story of mystery and adventure by top writers. It was a good series, so let's tune this in. Part one now of Until Death Do Us Part on the Hollywood Star Playhouse. Now, Mr. McDonald Carey on the Hollywood Star Playhouse. Hollywood Star Playhouse. Tales of suspense, thrills, adventure. By Hollywood's finest writers with Hollywood's top stars. Brought to you each week by the American Broadcasting Company. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Orville Anderson. Welcome to the Hollywood Star Playhouse. Nothing less than perfection would do. Perfection in life, and soon, very soon, perfection in death. And the victim wished for it as eagerly as the killer. Listen now as Mr. McDonald Carey lives for us the unnerving experience of Max Ulrich in the story called Until Death Do Us Part. can't ever go back. You can't ever begin all over again. Not when you're like Paula. She knows that. She's so good at knowing things. So terribly good at knowing. Yet there's one thing she doesn't know. That in a few minutes, she's going to be dead. She must be in bed by now can't hear footsteps overhead. In a little while, she'll be asleep, and then... What's that? Nothing. Just the wind outside. Loose window shutter upstairs. Yeah, yeah, sure. Nothing can go wrong now. Got it all planned. Wait a few minutes more, Max. Have another drink. Five years of it. That's what it's taken to bring me to this. Yeah. Five years ago this July, that's when it started. Lake George on a hot afternoon, and a cute-looking redhead poised on the diving board. She came to the surface almost alongside my rowboat. Hey! That was beautiful! What? Your dive! What do you call that number? A Moberg. But it wasn't beautiful because it wasn't perfect. Mind if I hang on to your boat a moment? Oh, I got a better idea. Climb in. Oh! Then how about a hand? Sure. Here we go. Oh, Look out now. <clears throat> Thank you. By the way, I'm uh, Max Ulrich. I know. I've seen you around the hotel. Oh, you have? You were talking to my father last night. You're an architect, aren't you? Well, that's what my diploma reads, but I don't remember... My father? He was the red-haired man next to you in the bar. Oh, Mr. Bancroft. Yes. And I'm Paula. I'm glad to know you, Max. <laughs> She wasn't wearing a swim cap, and her red hair draggled about her face. But on her, it looked wonderful. By the time I'd rowed her back to shore, we were talking as if we'd known each other for years. And by that evening, I knew something important was happening to me. 
Do you have a diploma in dancing, too? <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> you should have, Max. Your lead is perfect. Well, thanks. You really know how to build a man up, don't you? But I mean it. I admire people who know how to do things correctly. Anybody can just muddle along, but perfection is what counts. <laughs> I suppose. Paula, I was wondering if you had some free time tomorrow. I'd love to. Oh, wait, I, I haven't told you yet. You want to go riding, isn't that it? Well, yeah, but uh, how did you know? Well, you told me you went riding this morning, so I just guessed you might want to tomorrow. I didn't read it in the tea leaves, honestly. But Miss Bancroft, I'm not so sure. A few centuries back, they'd have burned you as a witch. Oh, no, they would <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew how to handle a horse until I watched Paula. Her riding was as flawless as her swimming, and her tennis, and her piano. I suppose that always when a man is in love with a woman, he thinks she's perfect, but Paula really was. She was everything I'd ever hoped for in a woman. We had about ten days together, then she and her father went back to New York, and I followed them. Now, let's see, couldn't have been more than a week later that evening Paula and I went for the carriage ride in Central Park. I wanted a romantic setting for what I had to say. Oh, darling, I was beginning to think you'd never ask me. <laughs> yes, yes. I've been in love with you ever since I dived into your life. <laughs> then we'll be married right away. Oh, Max, we'll be so happy together. You're going to be such a success, and I promise you I'll be the perfect wife. I'm not worried about you, honey, but about my being a success... You've got to be, darling. You know Father is a very important contractor. All he has to do is say the word. No, Paula, that's out. I'll get ahead on my own. Well, why talk about it now, dear? Right now, there's just you and me and the stars. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Well, I was just thinking. My vacation took most of my cash. I'll have to borrow to buy your engagement ring. Oh, no, you won't. I've already got the ring. You... What? I saw it in a little antique shop the other day. I went in and put a deposit on it for you. Paula, but... Well, how did you... Oh, don't hate me, darling. Every woman knows when a man is going to propose. And I wanted this particular ring so badly. Max, don't look like that. I love you. Kiss me. That was the beginning. But I didn't know it then. After the honeymoon, Paula's father got me a job with an architectural firm he did business with. I refused it at first... But then I saw how much it meant to Paula. She was trying to help me in every way she could. She meant it for the best. Like she meant everything. Even her first birthday present to me. You like the Max? Well, of course I do, honey, but a complete set of golf clubs and the most expensive you could buy. You've got to have the best to play your best. Yeah, but I've never played golf. I don't know if I'll be any good. Matter of fact, I never even thought about it until a few days ago. How in the world did you get the idea? Oh, it was simple. <laughs> I saw you reading about the Tamashana tournament the other night, and then I asked you a few leading questions, remember? No, I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I think you know what's going on inside my head better than I do myself. Of course I do, darling. That's part of being the perfect wife. Let's see. It was too birthdays later that we bought this house. I was rising fast in the company, making friends and money and Paula happy. I was pretty satisfied with myself, especially the day Mr. Gilchrist called me into his office. The president of the firm shaking my hand and telling me to call him George and that now I was a junior partner. I didn't telephone Paula. I wanted to break the news in person. When she opened the front door that evening, I handed her a bouquet of roses. 
Oh, Max, they're exquisite. But where will I put them? Every vase in the house is full now. Every vase? Well, throw out some of that cheap stuff Oh, I'll think of something. Now, dear, you better run upstairs and change. Well, Paula, aren't you curious about the roses? I don't spend 25 bucks on blooms every day. Well, I should hope not, silly. Now, please, take your shower, and then I want you to fix the cocktail. No, honey. We're having cocktails out, then dinner and dancing. Champagne in the works. We've got something big to celebrate. Of course we're going to celebrate, but at home. Father and Mr. and Mrs. Gilchrist will be here any minute. Oh, no. Well, why do you suppose I got all the flowers in the house and champagne and and caviar? Father and the Gilchrist are going to help us celebrate. Paula. Paula, you know about my promotion. Yes, and I'm so proud of you, darling. I had a hunch something was brewing the last time I talked with Mrs. Gilchrist. I phoned her yesterday and wormed the news out of her. But I couldn't tell you until it was official. Give me those roses. Oh, but wait a minute, Give dear. What? Oh. Max! Max, have you gone crazy? Always one ahead of me, aren't you? I can't tell you anything. You already know it. You're always there first. Max! You are insane. Good. I'll remember that. It may come in handy someday. Not guilty by reason of insanity. <laughs> Man marries the perfect wife, and she's just a little too perfect, isn't she, Now, is there such thing, Carl, as the perfect (laughs) wife? Until death do us part, (laughs) Hollywood star Playhouse. More after these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Don. It is 1136. We're tuning in to the Hollywood Star Playhouse with McDonald Carey. And he's got a uh, precarious situation on his hands here, Lisa. He's married to the perfect wife. All right, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the conclusion now of the Hollywood Star Playhouse in Until Death Do Us Part. She stared at me for a moment without expression. Then she smiled. Yes, smiled. Almost with pity. She told me I needed a rest. I should take more time off, play more golf. Which is just what I did. But without Paula and her perfect form and low scores, I went out to the course alone every Saturday and Sunday. That's where I met Audrey. Uh-oh. There goes another patch of turf. Well, you're working too hard, miss, and your grip isn't, your grip isn't quite well, a... Well, um, that's what the pro keeps telling me. I guess I'm not cut out for golf. Do you like tennis? I love it. And I've had enough lessons, but it's still about like my golf. How about swimming? Scared to death of the water. <laughs> oh, excuse me, I'm holding up your play. Oh, no, I, I think I've had enough. Sun's getting kind of hot. That's the way I feel, too. Oh? Huh? Care to uh, join me at the clubhouse for a drink? I'd love to. I began looking forward to my weekends. Audrey's golf improved with my coaching. It was a great feeling to be able to teach a woman something. Then I began seeing Audrey at her apartment. I told Paula I was working nights. And I did, just often enough to convince Mr. Gilchrist in the office. Audrey's apartment was small and a constant clutter from the front door to the top of the piano. Not at all like Paula's perfect housekeeping. I'm sorry. Keep on. I, I like your mistakes. I am improving, though. By next week, I'll be able to play Moonlight Sonata for you, note perfect. Oh, please don't. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. You love me for my mistakes. And much more. 
Sometimes I wonder, though. About what? If maybe this isn't all a mistake. If Paula ever learns about it... She never will. This is one thing she doesn't know. Oh, Max, I couldn't live without you. Oh, darling. <laughs> will you answer it? I think it's Helen. Well, won't it sound odd for a man Oh, to... no, she knows I'm seeing someone. I get on the phone, she'll so talk all night. Tell her I'm sick, call me tomorrow. Hello? Max, Mr. Gilchrist just phoned the house. He has to see you tonight. Can I tell him you'll be there? Yes, Paula. You can tell him. Good. Sorry to have disturbed you. It's all right, Paula. Quite all right. Can't be right. Only 20 minutes since Paula went upstairs. <sighs> Too soon, Max. Wait a little longer. It's time for one more short one. One more to steady the hands. <sighs> when this is over, I ought to write a book. The murder is how to do it. Footnote, the amateur killer requires a steady hand. Take four parts of alcohol to one long breath. <laughs> Goes that shutter again. There was a wind that other night. The night Paula phoned me at Audrey's apartment. Funny that I'd remember a detail like that. It was blowing even harder than this when I got home that night. Paula was waiting up for me. Did you see Mr. Gilchrist? I did. What was so important that he couldn't wait until tomorrow? Let's skip it. I've got a few questions of my own. How long have you known about Audrey and me? Oh, about a month. A month? Your detective has supplied you with a full account, I suppose. I didn't need a detective. For some time, I'd noticed that your mood was improving. Naturally, there had to be a reason. The usual one. But how... Oh, one Saturday I drove out to the country club to find out if you really were playing golf. I saw the two of you driving away. I made inquiries and learned a name. The rest was simple. I suppose you've already decided on the terms of the property settlement. No. I don't want a divorce. Paula! This infatuation of yours won't last. I suspect you entered into it as a psychological revenge against me. You've built up some sort of fancied wrongs. But I'm sure that after a few visits to Sarkozy... Paula, either you get the divorce or I will. How could you? On what grounds? I think any judge will agree I've been the perfect wife. Yes, so perfect. So devilishly, so cruelly perfect. I don't doubt that you could get a Mexican divorce. But I'm sure it would be disastrous to your position in the company. Mr. Gilchrist is unusually strict. Paula, I can't go on this way. Neither of us can. What are we going to do? What do you want? Only to help you, dear. You're tired, confused. You need me now as you never have before. I took a vow, Max, that I've got to live up to. To love, honor, and cherish you. For better, for worse. Until death do us part.
was no use. I'd found the perfect wife. Paula was too good to be true, and too true to be good. The next evening, I told Audrey everything. Then there's nothing to be done. I've lost you. No, Audrey. We'll go on just as we have, only now I can see you more often. I don't have to lie and make excuses. Oh, it was better that way, Max. Paula knows that you're here with me right now. She'll always know, and, and we'll know that she knows. It's as if she were right here in this room with us, invisible, but always here between us. Our relationship was tough enough while it was secret. Now it's impossible. Darling, listen to me. I love you. I believe you. And I love you. But, darling... Audrey. No, please, don't kiss me. Let's not make it any harder. Goodbye, Max. I don't know how long I walked the streets that night. Mile after mile of aimless walking. Audrey was right. If even if I fell in love with someone else, it would be the same thing all over again. Paula would find out, and Paula would do nothing. Just go on being Paula. Sick with defeat. With hatred. Trembling with a hatred that could only grow and grow. All about the penthouse murder, white killer, car. Boy. Oh, yes, sir. Latest edition. Oh, thanks, mister. No murder. Read all about it. Police, surprise wife killer in act of disposing of body. Thanks, Mr. Hey, what's the gag, mister? He killed his wife because he found her with another man. Huh? Some people react so normally, so wonderfully uncivilized. <laughs> Paula, dead. The only way out. And there was a fascination to the thought. To do one thing without her help, without her knowing about it in advance. It'd be the one, the single triumph in my marriage. But how? How? Murder takes a criminal mind, and even some of the smartest criminals are caught. That would hardly be a triumph for me. Uh, oh, Paula, if you only knew how simply you gave me the answer. It was during that dinner we had for the Gilchrists. Yes, just a few nights after their house had been burglarized. Gilchrist could talk of nothing else. It isn't the loss that bothers me. We were covered by ample insurance. But suppose Catherine and I had been home when the thieves broke in. Oh, I think I should have died of fright. That's what I mean. And who can tell what they might have done to us? Most of those fellows have such warped minds. Well, they might have killed us. You know, whenever Max has gone in the evenings, especially when the cook goes home for the night, I'm in a perfect terror. I think every sound is a burglar. It's high time I bought a gun. You see, Max, I told you the soup was hot. Yes. Yes, you did. Max, don't you think I should? Well, I suppose if it would give you peace of mind. I'm going to get a gun. I'll take lessons and show you all. Just wait till you see my name on some trophy cup. I could see Paula's ego working. The gun was more than for protection. Here was one more way she could show her skill, her perfect form. Then came the talkative bartender who never realized how important his words would be to me. 
Jules was his specialty, see? And here was one of the richest halls in the country. But the city cops are watching her, see? So how's he going to get the diamonds and fix himself an alibi? Okay, how? Well... First, Herb lets it get around that he's going out to Montana for some honey. Yeah. And he really goes, see? He drives his car clear out there, then he packs off into the mountains. Then he sneaks around to a different town, grabs a plane back to New York, heists the diamonds, and flies back to Montana. <laughs> Cops don't even know he's been at town, see? So they start dragging in a lot of other guys. But you said they finally caught him. There uh, must have been something wrong with his plan. No, nothing wrong. Only the poor dope didn't know he'd left one measly fingerprint. And the cops found it. Weeks later. Oh, the plan was great. Foolproof. Yes, it ought to be. Foolproof. It would work for me where it didn't for Herb fingerprints couldn't trip me up because my fingerprints had a right to be all over my own house. Just so long as I left none on Paula's gun. All right. I take my vacation right away. A fishing trip up in the main woods. Leave my car in some small town. Tramp through the woods to another town and buy a plane ticket back under another name. Take the bus from LaGuardia. Lose myself in the crowd. And then home on the interurban. It would work. Yes, and it has. Without a hitch. I'm so glad you're back, Max. I wasn't expecting you until next week. Well, I got all the fishing I wanted. By the way, the cook has gone home, hasn't she? Yes. Did you want something to eat? Oh, that's all right. I'll have a sandwich later on. You uh, expecting anybody to drop by tonight? No. I've wanted to be alone since you left. I wanted to think. About us. Things are going to be different, dear. Different? I've been wrong, Max. I've worked too hard on our marriage. I've worked too hard at everything in my life. It's time to change everything. Completely and all at once. Oh, no. Oh, what no. You're always there first, aren't you? What? Nothing, nothing. Really, you don't understand, Max. All my life, I've adored perfection. I wanted to be the perfect wife. I... I wanted to anticipate all your needs. But it ruined everything. Now I'm going to relax and let you think for both of us. The old Paula is... is dead. <laughs> You're laughing. You can never run away from yourself, Paula. You're perfect. You've always been so perfect that you'll play the imperfect wife to perfection. And you let me see you doing it every night, every day. Max, please, please. If you'll help me, I'm sure that I can... Max. Yes, Paula? No. It can't ever be, can it? Never. Never. If you don't mind, I think I'll go up to bed. Sure, sure. I'll be up in a little while. Good night. Good night, Max. Now, 
And the gun, right beside her in the drawer. It's time. When it's over, I can just make the interurban and the bus to the airport. By 1.30, I'll be flying back to Maine. They'll find me fishing in the mountains. It was an accident, Mr. Ulrich. Maybe she thought she heard a burglar. The gun must have been off at safety. I don't forget. Wipe off the fingerprints, then place the gun in her hand. wasn't the shutter that banged. It was this gun, wasn't it? Yeah, you had to get there first, even in this. But I won anyway, because I'm free. I'm free. Take that gun, please. What? Don't move. Oh. Oh. Officer, my wife, she just killed herself. We'll take her word for that. Huh? She just phoned that you were going to murder her. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I'm afraid, Mr. Ulrich, this wasn't the perfect crime. <laughs> You don't know, officer. <laughs> you don't know. It was perfect. Perfect for Paula. Thanks, Mac, for a great story with a great twist. And a great performance, too. Thanks, Orville. I uh, hope it doesn't keep a lot of fellows from marrying that uh, perfect girlfriend. Oh, and uh, let me thank the cast, will you? Lorraine Tuttle, Joan Banks, Stacey Harris, Paul McVeigh, and Herb Vigran. Thanks again, Mac. On tonight's program, all characters and incidents were fictitious. Any similarity to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. And now, this is Orville Anderson saying goodnight for Hollywood Star Playhouse. This is MacDonald Carey again inviting you to stay tuned for the original Amateur Hour as my good friend Ted Mack starts another group of talented people on the high road to fame. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the American Broadcasting Company. It was very patriotic, that American Broadcasting Company. That's right. <laughs> Hollywood star Playhouse Until Death, Do Us Part, August 2nd, 1951, starring MacDonald Carey from Days of Our Lives. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Oh, boy, I tell you what, Lisa. What, Carl? September Classic Radio Club members are going to be so happy. There's some great shows there, boy. Well, speaking of the Classic Radio Club, somebody yeah. just texted in. He said he's a member of the Classic Radio Club. And do you think you could include some of these episodes in the Classic Radio Club? Because it was so great, the Hollywood oh, Star Oh, the Playhouse. Hollywood Star Playhouse, yeah. Yes. Can you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that's the cool thing about this club, too, is you're choosing the shows so you can base it on what people really are enjoying. You know what? 
the September shows. I'm really, really happy with the quality and the episodes. And oh man, it's going to be great. But I am finding things for down, you know, I do this like five, six months in advance because, you know, we have to have the CDs manufactured and all that. I am finding gems, and I mean gems, in the library. And these are direct from master recordings. They always sound like they were recorded yesterday. Mike takes those um, and does a, a, a light digital restoration to them, so they are just incredible sound. You will get 10 shows each and every month that I will choose from the library of over 100,000 shows. I will write liner notes about the shows for you. You can get the 10 shows. These are like 10 half-hour shows, either on five CDs in a collector case, or you can get them digitally downloaded to your computer. The links never expire. And the shows are full length. There's nothing edited out. You will never get a duplicate show. And it is a fun club. We started the club a little over a year ago. Hundreds of members. And uh, if you're not a member, you should try it. Because the first month, you can get the 10 shows, the first 10 shows, for only $1. It's all it costs to try it. We want everyone to try it. And then if you like it, you stay in the club. Now, you can cancel at any time. It is a fun club, ClassicRadioClub.com. Why don't you join and try it for one month for only a dollar just to see the quality you're going to get and how great these shows are, plus the liner notes. You can read about them, learn about them as you're listening. Right. You can go to the website. It has all that information in case you were spacing out while Carl was talking. <laughs> or you can see some of the shows um, <laughs> that they um, have given out in some of the past months and you can see what's uh, on there go to classicradioclub.com get all the information and uh, go ahead and join where's the club classicradioclub.com oh that's easy i know the the thing is called the classic radio club and it's at classicradioclub.com yeah i kind of make things simple that way man yeah. Well, I'm simple. That's why. You're a simple guy. I'm, I'm a simpleton. That's true. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> it makes I'm, perfect sense. You know, uh, one of the shows that we put in the club um, fairly regularly is Richard Diamond, Private mm-hmm. Detective. For some reason, this was a top quality detective show. And we're going to hear an episode right. from 1949, Dick Powell. And you know why I think it was so great? Blake Edwards, okay, one of the greatest writer-directors of all time. He was the uh, director of the Pink Panther movies, mm-hmm, you know, with, um, you, you know, uh, Clouseau and all that. Inspector. Yeah, and Inspector Clouseau with Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. Well, he created this series and he wrote the episodes. So you have the greatest writing and terrific acting with Dick Powell. So you're going to hear a Richard Diamond private detective episode in our next hour. And as I say, that's often part of the Classic Radio Club. So uh, go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Don. All right, it is 12.08 in the morning, and it's Labor Day weekend, Lisa. Are you going to labor at all? Probably not, right? Um, am I going to labor? I'm laboring right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, I am laboring. What are you going to do? Are you doing anything uh, for uh, Labor Day? Yeah, I'm going to labor. I mean, seriously, are you going to go like have a barbecue or anything? Because I'm available. Are you? you? invite me. Um, I'm available. I'll, I'll come over and eat your food. Uh, yeah, I'm still deciding as long as what you've I'm... you've ordered it. 
and didn't I'm make still, it. Still, you know, working on it. I'll have to, you know, let you know when I figure you know, it out. You know. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll leave my phone on then. I'll have the ring yeah, around. Sleep sleep with it right next to you. Okay. Well, and you just wait for that phone call. In this hour, Richard Diamond, private detective from 1949, starring Dick Powell. I am certain, folks, you will love this radio broadcast coming your way. But right now, it's time to play our game. Is it real? Or is it ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, celebrity is Tony Bennett, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's great. Just saw him. And we are going to give away a special prize. We have two tickets to the Great Leap at Steppenwolf Theater. Okay. So, what caller? Um, we're going to go with caller number three. You can call right now at 312. 312- 981-7200, and we'll be right back. Drivers on their cell phones is a serious problem on our roadways. Whether you're talking or texting, cellular use is a major distraction. That would be cellular use. What? Huh? <laughs> cellular cellular? use is a major distraction. Please be responsible. Is it distraction? No, I didn't say. I said cellular use is a major distraction. Please be responsible and put your phone away while driving. This salute courtesy of Nick's Towing, where they are working hard for the future of our great community. For all of your towing needs, call 847-671-5290. That's 847-671-5290. That's Nick Towing in Chicago on the air because they care. Italian what? Sausage. Sausage, man. I am from Chicago. Sausage from Chicago. Yeah. We've got Pete on the phone. Hey, Pete. How you doing? How you doing? What's up, Pete? I'm doing good, thank you. All right. Terrific. Well, we're going to do a little Tony Bennett, okay? That sounds good. Okay. Number one, he had a cameo in the film Liar Liar. Real or ridiculous? Real. Yeah, real. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he did have one in Bruce Almighty, but uh, just not real. You, so sneaky. You sounded like you knew what you were talking about there. Mm-hmm. All right. Tony Bennett was chosen as the, as the official artist for the 2001 Wimbledon Championships. Real or ridiculous? It sounds ridiculous, but I'm going to say real. I think it's real. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was the official artist for the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, but not so the sneaky. Wimbledon Championships. I know, sneaky. right? How are we supposed to know that? Exactly. Mm. Now you've learned. He is an artist, though, so yeah. that's why it does make some sense. Mm-hmm. In 1956, he hosted a television variety show, The Tony Bennett Show. Real or ridiculous? Local real. I'm going to say real. It's probably like 1955 or something. She changed the date. But no, I wouldn't real. do that. Real. It is real. He was a summer replacement for the Perry Como show. So wow. that is absolutely real. And wow. he got one right. So yeah. that makes you a winner in it's my like book. It's like batting 333. <laughs> You'd make $20 million a year, right, Pete? <laughs> you got one hit out of three at bats? Okay, 333. <laughs> Tony, you are the winner no matter what. You have won a pair of tickets to the Great Leap, which kicks off Steppenwolf Theater's company season for this 2019-2020 uh, season. It's set in 1989, and the Great Leap explores the cultural collide of identity and politics through the game of basketball. So previews begin September 5th. It runs through October 20th. You can check it out at Steppenwolf dot org but you've won two tickets i hope you love the show i'm going to see it uh, not this week but next week so i'm looking forward to it 
Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, Pete's a big winner. We have our text in line, 312-981-7200. We love getting your text. And we love playing classic radio shows for you. We're going to play one now, Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This was created by Blake Edwards, came to NBC Radio in 1949, lasted until 1953. It starred actor crooner. Dick Powell, he was great in this role. And, you know, he played Philip Marlowe in the RKO film Murder My Sweet. And so radio producers were like, huh, never thought of Dick Powell for a detective. But look, he just played a detective in a successful film. So right away they were trying to hire him to do uh, a detective on radio. And he played a couple of different ones on radio. Um, Also in the cast, you had Virginia Gregg as his millionaireess girlfriend. He dated a millionaireess. Uh, her name was Helen Asher. I bet you'd like to do that. Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> um, Powell's production company, Four Star Television, actually created a TV version of this radio series. He did not star in it. He cast David Jansen uh, from 1957 until 1960. Of course, David Jansen went on to be the star of The Fugitive, but he was the original Richard Diamond private detective on uh, on television. And you know who was his secretary on there? And all you saw was her legs? I sure do. Who? Margot Lane. No, Mary Tyler Mary Moore. Ty- <laughs> Margot Lane. I don't know why Mary I said that. Tyler Moore. No, I knew Moore. that because that was her first role. It was her legs. Yeah. But there was other actresses, but she she was part of that. There was like a bunch of actresses that they used, but Mary Tyler Moore was like her first acting gig. Yeah, I know. All right, we have a radio broadcast for you now called The Gibson Murder Case. It stars Dick Powell from October 8th, 1949. Here's part one now Richard Diamond, Private Detective. is Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. Hey, I got a beef. I went shopping for my girl Helen Asher the other day. You know, stuff for dinner. This town's gotten hotter than the blast furnace in Death Valley, so you gotta pick out things that make for a cool meal. Like salads, cold cuts, beer... Real picnic style. Well, I figured I could whip up a fancy tossed salad or something. Until I got around to the tomato counter. Have you glommed onto the price of tomatoes lately? Now, what's with that? So the cost of living is inflated. So a T-bone makes like it just arrived direct from the Sultan's classiest cow. Okay, a T-bone, I can understand. But what's with a tomato? When it costs so much, it should be hanging from a charm bracelet instead of lying in a salad bowl. Who needs it? So I bowed from the waist and figured you could still do a lot of things with a plain head of lettuce. Oh, uh, I got another beef, too. Why can't people start their killings in December when it's cool? Now, about a week ago, I got mixed up in the case, and before it was over, I took so many salt tablets, I am now the best-seasoned private detective in New York. It started last Tuesday morning about 11 o'clock in an apartment on the Upper East Side. Jimmy? Yeah, genius. 
No cracks. No cracks. We're both waiting for old Gibson to turn us into the cops and you say no cracks. This whole rotten mess is your fault. Well, how did I know the old goat wouldn't fall for it? Well, he didn't. So we better start packing. What for? Because I don't want to play hostess to a lot of little men in blue. I'm allergic to handcuffs. Relax, will you? They won't find us. They can trace me from the other apartment. How? Gibson don't know your real name. Did you leave anything in the other place that will lead him here? No. Cleaned out everything except the clothes. I didn't have time to move them. <laughs> Notice she got away with a mink. What do you want me to do? Leave it behind? No, no. We can hock it. Hock it? Yeah. You want to blow town? Takes cash. Cash I ain't got. You're telling me. Look, baby, if Gibson does go to the police, I'll have to hock the coat so we can blow this joint, see? <sighs> All right. You go get rid of it, and I'll start throwing some things in her suitcase. Uh, who's that? How would I know? Maybe it's a landlady. Oh, I forgot. The painting is for today. Yeah, I saw the painters in 206. They'll probably start in this room in a couple of hours. Okay, okay. Duck that coat. I don't want the landlady to spot it. Yeah. Yeah, well... Gibson. So you really are married, huh? Who is it, Hawk? Hello, Virginia. Mr. Gibson? Yes, I waited around in front of the other apartment and followed you here. I wanted to be sure to send the police to the right place. Look, Mr. Gibson, look... You look whatever your real name is. I don't like being blackmailed or threatened. But please... No, Virginia, my mind's made up. In a way, I'm sorry for you, but you didn't think about me. I'm past 60, and I'm tired of being made a fool. Look, why don't you give her a break, Mr. Gibbs? No, I'm not asking for That's me. That's very just... noble of you. You should have thought about that a few hours ago when you accused me of making love to your wife. You're not really married. Well, you... There is no need of displaying your indignation. There'll be plenty of time for that when the police arrive. Huh? Yeah. Come in. Morning, how Come dare on. you? Take your hands off me. Look, you ain't calling nobody. You want to listen to me? You take your hands off me. What are you going to do, Hog? I'm going to change this old goat's mind about calling the cops. You can't threaten me. No. Oh, you struck me. How'd you guess? Hog, take it easy. He's an old man. Your concern is misplaced, my dear. I can take care of myself. What? Why, you... Give me that chance. I'll be glad to give, give it to you across your shoulders. Give me that. Hog, be careful. Hit me with a chance, will you? No, young... I'll shut you up for good. Harvey. Oh, Harvey. Uh, You idiot. Huh? You big stupid idiot. Look what you've done. All right, so what? No better next time. Throw some water on him. Why'd you hear me? Throw some water on him. What's wrong? Uh, come on, come on, Gibson. Come on, come on. Holy cow. You see? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, shut, uh, up. shut up. Shut up. Why'd you have to hit me with a cane? Now you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. We're in trouble, baby. We, we. Stop that crying all over the place. Help me get him out of here. How are we going to do it? It's broad daylight. Yeah. Can't get him out of the building like this. We'll have to wait till the night. We can't leave him in here. Why not? The painters. What do you mean? What? They'll be here in a little while. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now what, genius? Shut up. Shut up, will you? I gotta think. Diamond Detective Agency, murders financed while you wait. Oh, you idiot. 
Oh, is this Toodles Asher, the belle of Park Avenue? Oh, this is Helen Asher, the girl that goes steady with the Diamond Detective Agency. Ah, sounds like a fine organization. Are they reliable? Very seldom. Oh. I'll tell you better as soon as I find out what I'm going to do tonight. You're going to give your butler the evening off, and the Diamond Detective Agency is going to march through your front door, single file, and show you a shortcut to spend the bottle. <laughs> what time does all this begin? How long will it take you to pucker? About two seconds. Well, I won't get there until eight. Don't hold it or you'll end up looking like a Ubangi. You're terrible. Yeah, but I'm pretty. So is a baboon. Oh, what you said. You won't be late, will you, Rick? I don't know. After that last crack, I think I'd better start going steady with King Kong. Rick. No, I'm mad. Ricky, I love you. Only because I can hang by my tail and my fangs have that toothpaste smile. I think you're the most wonderful man in the world. Well? I think you're the handsomest, the strongest, the smartest. Well, all right. Now tell me something I don't already know. Rick. Bye, baby. See you at eight. Bye. A, I'm adorable. B, I'm so beautiful. C, I'm... Now, look, honey, I can't make it until 8 o'clock. I got a fan dancer who's a client. She wants to go out and trap an ostrich this afternoon. Is this the Diamond Detective Agency? Huh? Oh, yeah. Is this Mr. Diamond? Yeah, what's the matter? You sound like you're standing on a body. Oh, Mr. Diamond, please, you've got to help me. I I just don't know what to do. Now, take it easy. Who is this? What's wrong? I thought it moved. What moved? The man sitting in my chair. Well, that happens now and then. Why shouldn't he? Oh, well, because he's dead. What? Yes. I came home this afternoon from girls' camp, and when I unlocked my door and went in, I found this uh, corpse sitting on my apple white. On your what? Apple white. I don't know how he could have gotten there. Apple white? No, the dead man. What about apple white? Who? The guy this corpse was sitting on. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a chair. Apple white's an old antique chair. Oh. Uh, oh, now I'm so confused. Well, move over, honey. Now, take it easy and give me one thing at a time. Who's the dead guy? Well, I don't know. I never saw him before in my life. Okay. Now, why haven't you called the police? Well, I thought about that, but I'm a school teacher, Mr. Diamond, and I was afraid of the scandal. I read a lot of detective stories, and the first thing that came to my mind was calling a, a private eye. Private eye. Mm -hmm. You had the biggest ad in the phone book, so naturally... Naturally. Well, give me your name and address, and I'll be right over. Oh, um... Esther Blodgett, uh, 419 East 79th Street, uh, apartment 108. Okay, Esther. Now, don't let anyone in and don't touch anything. Oh, oh, I know that, silly. After the initial shock wore off, I found myself in complete control. What's the matter? I'm so nervous. I just lit a cigarette. It tasted so good, I offered one to the dead man. Well, if he takes it, remember how you did it. I'll be right over. Hmm. Apple white. Oh, is Walt going to have fun with this? Homicide, Sergeant Otis. Hello, Otis. Let me talk to the lieutenant. Diamond? No, this is Black Beauty. I just did a mile in 112, and I want to report that I've been doped. Very funny. I thought so. I didn't win the race, but I was the happiest horse on the track. Now, put the lieutenant on the phone. Uh, lieutenant Levinson? Diamond, Walt. I don't want any. You take your killings to another precinct. Oh, now, don't be a sore head. Giving you business is just my way of showing my friendship. Can't we just be buddies at a distance? I'm getting tired of chasing corpses. Well, grit your teeth and get over to 419 East 79th Street, apartment 108. Homicide? Yeah. A dame named Esther Blodgett reported it. She lives there. Who's dead? Well, I don't know. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. A guy named Heppelwhite. Heppelwhite? Uh, you ask Esther about it. She'll put you straight. You coming over? Yeah. Bye. 
As I went out of my office, I thought about Esther Blodgett and wondered how mad she would be when the police turned up. I had to call them whether she wanted a scandal or not, because homicide comes first in my book. I'm an ex-cop, and I still follow the rules. It's not a conscience. I just like staying in business. So when someone turns up with a killing, I always let Lieutenant Walt Levinson know about it. I grabbed a cab, and 20 minutes later, I was standing in Esther's apartment along with Walt, the dead man, and Heppelwhite. Oh, you're a swell fella, you are. What's the matter, Walt? I've been going through that Heppelwhite routine for the last 10 minutes. I just found out it was a chair, that one right over there, the one that stiffs in. Mr. Diamond, why did you call the police? I thought you'd ask that. Because that man's been murdered, Miss Blodgett. That's what good citizens do when they find a dead man in the apartment. But, but, but the scandal? I'm a school teacher. What will my students' mommies and daddies think? Honey, just confuse them with that Heppelwhite routine. What did you find out, Walt? Not much. The coroner will be here in a few minutes. Looks like someone gave him a pretty good beating. What's that all over his clothes? Uh, isn't that blood, Mr. Diamond? Yeah, he's been bleeding all right. I mean that brown stuff, Walt. Looks like lint or something. I noticed that, too. I don't know what it is. We'll have the lab analyze it. Tell me, Esther, you said when you came in, you unlocked the door. Yes, that's right. Are you sure it was locked? Why, yes, it, it has a catch lock. Besides, you have to turn the key and then use the other hand to turn the knob. Did, and... did you touch anything? Open any windows? I touched nothing. Oh, well, that's a good one, Walt. Yeah, a corpse sitting in a room with the door and all the windows locked. Do you always lock the windows when you go out, Miss Blodgett? Well, I've been away for several weeks at a girls' camp. Aren't you a little old for that sort of thing? Oh, I I've been counseling one of the teachers who goes along to take care of the young girls. Mm, what do you think, Rick? Well, he wasn't killed in this apartment. No, no signs of a struggle. There's only blood around the chair and on the body. He must have been carried in. There would be blood trails on the floor. Not if he was carried in something. You uh, say you never saw this man before, Esther. Never in my life. Hmm. Any identification in his wallet? Yeah, name's Gibson. Leland Gibson. No money taken either, so that eliminates the robbery angle. Any address? Yeah, he's got an old driver's license. 12 East 64th Street. Pretty classy district. Judging by his clothes, he was well fixed. Tailored, good store. And as soon as the coroner arrives, I'm going to check this apartment building. Maybe somebody heard something or saw something. Uh, well, uh, let me check the 64th Street address for you. This is a police job. Why do you want to check it? Oh, because poor Miss Blasey looks so unhappy. I am, Mr. Diamond. I am very unhappy. She was? So she's unhappy. If you want to check the place on your own, go ahead. But I'm sending some men over anywhere. Mr. Diamond. I like you. Well, thank you, Esther. No. I, I want to hire you to catch the killer and and free me from this awful policeman. Awful policeman? Do you know how I got this way, Miss Blodgett? Oh, I'm sure it wasn't easy. Good for you, Esther. I got this way because of this, this private detective. Just call me Blue Eye. Ever since he stopped working with me and left the force, I've gotten mixed up in more screwy cases than an alcoholic in a whiskey truck. There isn't one week that it doesn't turn up with one or two killings. My, he gets excited, doesn't he, Mr. Diamond? And in his spare time, he intimidates my sergeant. Just call me Rick, dear. I've taken enough bicarbonate in the last year to stop Vesuvius erupting. And if he doesn't give me a little peace and quiet, I'm going to end up solving a killing of my own. Rick, my, that's a nice name. How did you ever get to be a schoolteacher? You don't look the type. Are you listening to me? Oh, what makes me so different? I've seen signs on highways that say it better than I can. What are you two babbling uh, about? You mean the ones that say, uh, danger, stop, look, and listen? Well, that fits, but I was thinking about curves and soft shoulders. Oh, no. Now you listen to me, Diamond. This is serious business. A man's been killed in soft shoulders. I uh, mean, Miss Blodgett's apartment. If you want to take her on as a client, go ahead. But any questions from here on in will have to be gotten down at police headquarters. You are taking me in, Captain? Lieutenant. Yes, you'll have to come down for questioning. Rick. You go along with the big bad policeman, dear. I'll have you out in no time. 
Well, all right, if, if you say so, but this has never happened to me before. Now, that's unfair. Walt, stop blubbering. Yes, Walt. what is it? Oh, you get out of here. Oh. Otis, where the devil is Otis? That's the first portion of Richard Diamond, Private Detective with the Gibson Murder Case, starring Dick Powell. More after these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Please salute our brave men and women fighting overseas for their support of the USA. This salute, courtesy of a concerned citizen, John Wadzita, serving in the U.S. Postal Service for over 37 years. John Wadzita is on the air saluting our troops. All right, it's time now for the conclusion to the Gibson murder case starring Dick Powell on Richard Diamond, Private Detective. I left Walt jumping up and down in front of Esther and the corpse and headed for 12 East 64th Street. It was an old brownstone in one of the wealthier districts. And when I rang the doorbell, I got another surprise. Yes? Yes. Don't tell me you're a school teacher. I beg your pardon? Forget it. It's, uh, it's the landmarks that threw me. What do you want? Oh, do you know a Mr. Leland Gibson? Yes, he's my father. Now, just who are you? Name's Diamond. I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you, Miss Gibson. It's Father. Something's happened to Father. May I come in? Oh, I'm terribly sorry, yes. Now, please, what is it? What's happened to Dad? Well, uh, he's dead. Oh, no. No. Now, look, I know this is tough, but you've got to help me. The police will be here in a minute. The police? Yes, your father was murdered. Oh, I knew something like this would happen. You did? Well, tell me about it. Well, I, I don't mean that I expected Dad to be... <laughs> okay, now, just take your time. Cry it out. I'm sorry. Have you a handkerchief? Uh, sure, here. Thank you. Now, think you can talk about it? Dad left the house about three weeks ago and moved into a hotel. Did you have a fight or something? Oh, no, no. Everything was fine, but... No, no, hang on. Things couldn't have been better, and he was in wonderful spirits when he left. No arguments, no hard feelings? He didn't leave mad? Oh, no, no, nothing like that. Then, uh, have you got any idea why he suddenly packed and moved into a hotel? Well, I'm not sure, but I think it was a woman. A woman? Yes, he... He told me one day that he'd met someone he liked very much. The day after that, he moved to the hotel, but I never saw her, and he never said anything more about her. Weren't you a little worried? Naturally. Father isn't a young man, and you... I mean, wasn't. Uh, just one more question. What hotel did he move to? It... It was the Adams on Madison Avenue. He used to go there three nights a week for dinner and a game of bridge before he decided to move in. Well, thank you. Are you all alone? Yes. Got any friends you can call? A few, I guess. Well, call them. It's better not to be alone. And ball your head off. It'll do some good. I'll... I'll... Send you your handkerchief, Mr... Diamond, Richard Diamond. It's in the book. For some reason, I've got a talent for leaving people emotionally disturbed. Walt hops around like a rabbit in a cabbage patch, and Otis always tears his hair out by the hands full. Miss Gibson was less active about it. She just tried to smile and shed enough grief to fill the tub. 
I grabbed another cab and headed for the Adams Hotel. Yes, sir. Do you wish to register? No, but I want to find out about someone who did three weeks ago. Oh? Yeah, oh. Uh, Mr. Leland Gibson. Why, yes, he's staying at the hotel. From now on, that's past tense. Ah, I uh, don't understand. He hasn't notified us that he's leaving. Well, that might be a little difficult. If you'll run down to the morgue, I think you'll find out you're stuck with an empty room. The morgue? Yeah. Mr. Gibson has taken over one of the slabs, rent-free. Oh, my goodness. What happened? He's kind of dead. When did you last see him? Early this morning. He left the hotel around 10. Know where he was going? Why, no. Do you remember him having any visitors in the last three weeks? A girl, I mean. No. Are you looking for a girl? Uh, Yeah. Mr. Gibson's daughter seems to think he was running around with a woman since he moved into the hotel. Oh. You say that like you knew what I was talking about. It was common gossip around the hotel. What was? Well, Mr. Gibson has been coming to the hotel for many years. He used to eat dinner here three nights a week and then play bridge with some of the hotel regulars. Now, about a month ago, we took on a new waitress. Uh Uh-huh. It was very obvious that Mr. Gibson was quite taken by her. Uh, So much so that he moved into the hotel and ate at her table every night. Oh, what was her name? Virginia Pelgrim. Uh, Quite good-looking. About five, three, dark brunette, very well... um, Mm, I'd like to see her. That's impossible. She left the hotel about a week after Mr. Gibson arrived. Oh, swell. Wasn't Mr. Gibson unhappy? Oh, no. He was rather happy, in fact. I believe he wanted her to move so he could see her more often. Now, what makes you say that? Some of the things she said in the kitchen to the other girls. Do you know where she might have moved? No. But uh, you might check with the flower shop. Mr. Gibson used to send flowers every day. Well, thank you. I wasn't sure just where I was going, but Virginia Pelgrim was my best lead, and maybe she could tie the Gibson murder up with a silk ribbon. I talked to the flower clerk, and he gave me the address that the flowers had been sent to every day. It was a nice apartment in the village, and the landlady stuck her nose out like she was trying to smell me instead of see who was calling. Yes? I hope that door doesn't slam shut sometime. You'll have a bloody nose for weeks. What do you want? Roll out an eye with that nose, and I'll show you my badge. Aren't you cops ever polite to anyone? Well, there's a face that goes with it. I'm looking for a girl, about five foot three, dark brunette. You're not in the wrong place. Her name's Pelgrim. Oh, her. She lives upstairs. She does, huh? Is she in now? No. Went out this morning. Hasn't come back. And she probably won't. She have many visitors? Only a couple. Men. That figures. Ever see an elderly man, gray hair, about 60? Sure, every day. Know his name? No. You said she had a couple of visitors. Who else? Another man. Younger, kind of greasy. Only came around a few times. Old man was there this morning, had an argument. Could you hear what they said? I don't, nope. Anyone else? No. Who paid her rent? She did, cash. Mind if I take a look at her apartment? Got a search warrant? No. Then you can't. Okay, thanks. You've been charming. I left the old bat and headed back to the school teacher's apartment. If I was right, I'd seen setups like this before. But there was still the problem of finding out how Gibson was killed and how he got into a locked room. When I pulled up, I saw the wagon, complete with corpse and coroner, pulling away for the morgue. And when I went in and knocked on the door, I was certain that they'd forgotten one of the bodies. Oh, it's you, Shamus. Why, Otis, 
They're leaving without you. Who is? The hearse. Shouldn't you be lying down or now, something? Now oh. you stop that, Rick, and get in here. Hello, Walt. What's new? Well, Rick. Well, Esther, has Otis been using his rubber hose on you? Oh, no, no, but I was getting lonesome. I'm glad you got back so soon. You are. As soon as you two stop rolling your eyes, maybe you can tell me what you found out, Mr. Diamond. Yeah. Walt, send Otis down to the station for a search warrant. Then tell him to get over to 9 West 12th Street and see what he can find in the Miss Virginia Pelgrim's apartment. Who's Virginia Pelgrim? The only person who was mixed up with a murdered man. There was another man who used to see her, but I can't find out who he was. All right. Otis, go get the warrant. Yeah, Lieutenant. Thanks, Diamond. A pleasure, Sergeant. What did you find out, Walt? There were 11 people in the building at the time of the killing. None of them ever saw the guy before. Here's a list of the names. Three people on this floor, five on the second, three more on the third. Have you talked to the landlady? Certainly. She doesn't know any more about it than the rest. What about that funny brown lint on the dead man's clothes? We're checking on that right now. The lab said they'd call me. Did the landlady say she had a key to this apartment? Sure, sure, but she hasn't used it but once since Miss Blodgett was away at girls' camp. When did she use it? Three days ago, when she had let the painters in. And she says that the windows and door were definitely locked. Because after she aired the paint smell out, she locked them herself. Painter, huh? Yes, and I've been looking. You know, I think they did a terrible job. Why, the kitchen yes, alone... Dear. Yes, Rick? Uh, later, dear. Uh, yes, Rick? Walt, did they paint the whole building? They finished the second floor today. Oh, I'll get it, Miss Blodgett. Probably the lab. Rick, yeah. do you know who did it? Yeah, I got a hunch. Oh, I see. you're wonderful. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Lab, Walt? Yeah. That lint you spotted on the dead man's clothes is from the mat that they put under rugs. Mm-hmm. Walt, you were on all the floors. Did one of the apartments have a rug missing? They were all missing from the second floor. The tenants took them down to the basement when the painters moved in. Any off this floor or the third? No, just the second. Well, your killers are on the second floor, Walt. How do you figure? Well, let's look at what we've got. Dead body in a locked room. Blood on body and floor around body, but nowhere else in the room. Carried in, in a rug, bullseye. Oh! This is so exciting. Uh, Esther. Uh, sorry. Yeah, but uh, how does a dame called Pelgrim figure into it? There's no Pelgrim listed in this building. Well, there shouldn't be if I'm right. The dead man met Virginia Pelgrim while she was working as a waitress in his hotel. She gave him a pitch and he fell. He put her up in an apartment so he could see her more often. So what? I think she was working with another man. A man who was seen around her apartment by the landlady. Then how did the body get over here? The guy the dame was working with probably lives here. What about the motive? Well, my guess is that Gibson was being blackmailed, and he followed the girl here. He was probably going to yell cops, so they killed him. Okay, now what about the locked room? Explain that. Now, let the landlady of this building explain it, Walt. Go ask her one question. Who had this apartment before Miss Blodgett? Uh, uh, Esther... Oh, I'm sorry, Esther. Well, I can tell you that. A, uh, a Mr. and Mrs. Austin, they moved to a smaller apartment and let me have this one. It's more rent and they couldn't afford it, I expect. Uh, this is a better apartment, though. It has very... Esther, hmm? what apartment did they take? Oh, it's on the next floor, apartment 209. Hmm, according to this list of people who were on the second floor at the time of the killing, the Austins are the only couple. What did Mrs. Austin look like, Walt? Oh, about... Five foot three, dark brunette, very, very well. Oh, say no more. Come on, Walt. Uh, may I come? Uh, no, Esther. You stay here. I'll be back later and discuss the better features of your nice little apartment. Yeah? I want to talk to you again, Mr. Austin. Why? Told you everything I know. Where's your wife? 
In the back. We're coming in. Okay, you don't have to shove. Who is it, Hoff? Ah, them cops again. Well, hello, Virginia. Do I know you? Where's your rug, Mr. Austin? What? It's down the basement. Miss Pelgrim, how long have you been married to this man? About three... Hey, how'd you know me? Shut up. Know your name? You might as well tell the lieutenant everything. Why did you lie about knowing Mr. Gibson? I didn't. I, I never saw him before in my life. I didn't tell you the dead man's name was Gibson. How'd you know that? Don't answer that. Oh, shut up. You and your husband killed Mr. Gibson and carted him downstairs in a rug. Why'd we do that? Because the painters were on their way to paint your apartment. You had to get him out without being seen. You dumped him in Miss Blodgett's apartment because you knew she was out of town. And you used to live there, so you still had a key. Have... Yeah, shut up. We've got enough to hold both of you on. The rug will have bloodstains on it. Oh. Get out of the way. Get out, Walt. <laughs> Why, Walt, you're so rough. Yeah. I, I didn't kill him. Harvey did. I didn't kill him. Okay, okay. You can tell me all about it down at the station. Hey, where are you going? Well, it's 6.30. I got a date. What about Miss Blodgett? She's going to get lonesome again. Now she was born that way. I've got to see a girl who's going to hold a pretty interesting class of her own. Bye. You look comfortable. Where's Francis? I gave him the night off, like you suggested. Ah, uh, you're cute. <laughs> I've got a cool dinner in the library. School day, school day. You sound happy. Well, I was just thinking about a school teacher I knew once. Hmm, that looks mighty toothy. Sing for your supper. What? Got a new tune on the piano. Oh, honey, I'm hungry. You sing first, and then you can eat. Oh, oh all right. What is it? Right here. So enough. Oh, okay. Strange, dear, but true, dear, when I'm close to you, dear, the stars fill the sky, so in love with you am I. Oh, keep going, I'll get it. for you. Oh, some girl. Wow, wow. I told her there was no one here but the piano tuner. Oh? She leave her name? Uh-huh. Hepplewhite. Hepplewhite? Yes. Hmm. Who's she? Uh, come here, baby. No. I want to know who she is. I said come no, here. No, I... Oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's Hepplewhite? Oh, just a chair, baby. A cute blonde chair. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell, transcribed. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Georgia Ellis, Tony Barrett, Joan Banks, and Norman Field. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards. Now, this is Eddie King reminding you that Dick Powell soon will be seen in the screen version of the bestseller novel, Mrs. Mike. 
and inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Saturday night brings some of the week's best radio entertainment when you tune for the stars on NBC. Stay tuned every Saturday for a great lineup of programs, including Hollywood Star Theater, Ralph Edwards' Truth or Consequences, Your Hit Parade, A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, The Judy Canova Show, and Grand Ole Opry. All the best on NBC. All right, that is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, October 8, 1949. The Gibson murder case starring Dick Powell. And what a great cast he had on these shows. I mean, Blake Edwards was the writer-director. And then you had um, Virginia Gregg. She was uh, Helen Asher. She was uh, the millionaireess on there. You had... Ed Begley, who is Ed Begley Jr.'s dad, you know, the Ed Begley Jr. that we know and love from all the, uh, you know, all the movies that he's in. His father was was on these shows, Wilms Herbert, Georgia Ellis, Tony Barrett, and Joan Banks. So great cast, great show. Hope you enjoyed it.